0: From the top.
1: Oh, shit, my pants. All right, From the top again. All right, guys, hold on. Let's, let's get a good that's little... All, that's
0: all Stay it, by the let's, way. <laughs> let's
1: just all get a good Waluigi, just right before we start. Let's just... just just. <laughs> so,
2: um, welcome, everyone, to the third episode of the Dubbies and Dragons podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking about... Uh, tips and tricks, and kind of like an intro to how to Dungeon Master. Um, So, uh, my name is Keanu, if you uh, don't already know. I also go by Boozy Bumbler. Uh, and I'm also joined here by Dale, a.k.a. K-7-K. Uh, and we've got Nick, the one and only OMG a zombie. Um, I do. So, the past couple episodes... We have been choosing our own drinks. Uh, this time is a little bit different. We, if you uh, listen to episode two, um, we we actually rolled a d100, or a, basically a d100, and uh, we picked a recipe out of the Dungeon Meister Drink Master's Guide. Um, and last week, Nick rolled the Red Mana drink. Um, this is this this looks bussin. Yeah. Um so we have none of us have tried this yet. Uh but essentially it is uh apple whiskey, cinnamon whiskey, some club soda, some grenadine uh and that's it. So it's going to be a little little spicy cinnamon appley, you know, sweet sweet drink, a little tartness. So this is our first tasting here. Uh let's just give it a taste and everybody just give it. Oh, whoa, whoa, it
1: a- hold on, hold on before the taste. Cheers, boys. Come on. <laughs>
2: cheers. cheers! Give it a taste and just, you know, tell us what you think. Well, that doesn't suck. That's actually pretty solid. It reminds me of like fall. It's a fall drink for sure. Definitely.
0: Yeah. It's the
1: most white bitch shit I <laughs> you could have It's 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 like if no. it's like if I woke up and had a PSL first and then put my Uggs on. Like I think, it just I hits think
0: fall. See, here's the thing: is that I if any, anybody who knows me knows that whiskey is my favorite beverage of all time, like bourbon, yeah, there's nothing better than a nice bourbon. <clears throat> but cinnamon bourbon is not one of my favorites. Uh, so I think it, I think it could use a little less yeah, of is- the cinnamon uh-huh. and a little bit more of the apple, and you would have a nice like cinnamon apple flavor. But the cinnamon's a little overpowering.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. On the second taste of that, I agree. But Keanu, I mean, you are right. This is, a, it's literally the taste of f- apples, cinnamon, fucking <laughs> apparently grenadine. That's the taste of fall. Um, I think but the no, grenadine's I, in
2: there mostly for color. The apple and the cinnamon is what's really punching that fall flavor home.
1: Oh, yeah. No. And here's my thing. And here's, here's my opinion on the matter. Um, I think Dale is 100% correct, and I was already talking to Keanu prior to the stream, already toying with it, doing a three-to-one of the apple to cinnamon, That's and then I also, I also told him to add extra grenadine, because it gave you, like, an orange color if you just put in, like, a bar spoon's worth.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I put, I put it in an actual tablespoon's worth. <laughs> That's so. a, well, no, 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 I, I it was a tablespoons, but I was making two drinks out of the, out of the one shaker, right. so.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So it really it's like a teaspoon.
1: Oh yeah, you guys had a shaker. I had a fucking sports bottle that I just <laughs> put a lid on. Just-
0: yeah, yeah!
2: Well, uh, <laughs> we were using we were using my my protein shake shaker uh, all this time, and I actually went out and bought like an actual like uh, um filtered shaker where you can actually like uh, <laughs> kind of Bro, f- I can- filter off like the ice and solids and shit.
0: <laughs> One thing I can say about this drink is that this is a nice like. If you're drinking it in the summer like we are, it's a nice just sit back and sip on it drink. Like, there's nothing better than a nice sip on, sip on, like, you could just, a drink that you could just sip on for 10, 15 minutes. And it doesn't have a whole lot of burn, which is nice.
2: Oh, yeah. You know what? I could imagine, I could imagine you and I going out on the, on the balcony, like, at night with just smoking some cigars, like, cigarettes, with just sipping on this drink, like, and it, it. Like right now, when it's like cool outside, it would be perfect. This would be like the perfect kind of like
0: yeah. It's like it's like a cool like sixty-five degrees out, which is like the perfect weather for me right oh, now. Oh yeah, same. <laughs> and I know I know that this is just like that. I know that this is just Ohio teasing us, but it's like because it's gonna get hot hot as fuck again. It's only August but it's like it gives me hope for fall it's september fall so it's september
1: now dude it's, it's only it's september <laughs> 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 bro to be fair this year has already or the 2021 is already feeling like fucking 40 years wrapped into one again i hate it <laughs> yeah, I, I am, i'm fucking over it dude um so yeah uh i am i just want to say that this is a good
2: a good choice um do you guys want to <laughs> wait to roll for the drink towards the end of the
0: Oh yeah, oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I've I can't wait that. to see what expensive bottles I have to buy next week. I would
0: I, wanna, I wanna focus this podcast or like on this drink before we we, we, f- we figured out our next drink. Yeah. Okay. Uh
2: I also just for everyone listening, I do have my fic my uh fictional character <clears throat> that we're going to profile uh in 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 the class. I I I thought <laughs> of it immediately. The se- the the second that you said Captain Jack Sparrow last time, you came up with that beautiful fucking idea, Nick. I, my brain started going to work,
1: all right, and That's I immediately found a character that could oh. be a couple of things. A, a so what, hold, what what are we doing? Let's, let's, this was brought up at the end, but it has, it's, it's, the, by oh, the way, okay. I coined the name, it's, what's that character? Yes, what's that the character? Of, so the basically, of who's that Pokemon?
2: Sorry. Basically what we do is, uh, whoever's hosting this week, so for instance, this is my turn to host, which is why I've been doing a lot of the talking, um, basically we the host picks a fictional character and then we all have to give our two cents in as to which dungeons and dragons player class that character would fall under uh, last week Nick gave uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and there was some good some I mean it was pretty all agreeable that he's a squash buckler <laughs> but <laughs> um I don't know I thought that was that was a really good idea uh, I'm glad that you brought that to the table Nick I really do I appreciate
1: it um, I appreciate you guys.
2: This week's episode, we're talking about dungeon master, dungeon mastering. All right, uh, this
1: is something that I am somewhat of a beginner. Please, it's,
0: it's, please, it's dungeon masturbating.
1: Uh, actually, <laughs> actually, no, it is. It is. It's done. It's it's.
0: He it's hates dungeon- himself already.
1: <laughs> it's done. <laughs> it is mastering of dungeons, but not not German dungeons. These are just normal <laughs> D D dungeons. I just got to make well, that crystal clear. That's actually a segue. I get into it.
2: It's actually a good segue into my first <laughs> How question. That a good
1: segue? <laughs> Wait, are we doing the character?
2: Well, no, no, that's at the end. We're going to do that at the end.
1: We're um, at the end?
0: Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah that was just a preview. All right.
1: Fuck. All right. Fair. We got to
2: do the meat first,
1: and then we get to the fun stuff.
0: Like, the, the, ex- the fun extras. We get to the fucking dessert.
1: We're in the same paragraph, and we're talking about German porn, or German dungeon porn, sorry, and meat. It's not conducive. <laughs> we got we to gotta just blow past this. All right, all right. Much so, like German porn.
2: <laughs> so, here we go. Uh So... This episode is all about uh, DMs. So, my first question, which was a good segue into what you were talking about, is what? Let's just start off with people that might not even be familiar with what a DM actually is, what their responsibilities are, and kind of like what their job is during the Dungeons and Dragons experience. So, um,
1: go ahead, Nick, take I'll, away. I'll kick this off, Dale and uh, Keanu. A DM is something you send late at night, maybe a you up. <laughs> um, oh. Oh, I'm sorry. The responsibility of it is to make sure that you are respectful to the other individual. Now, a DM in the, terms in the, in the context of Dungeons & Dragons is a dungeon master. You'll also hear the term, you'll see GM placed, uh, which is game master. That's two of the most common nomenclature you'll see when speaking of the position. What a DM is, is they are the counterpoint. To the PCs, your player characters. They are the person who is running the end, all of the non-player characters, all of the NPCs. A DM is tasked with telling and progressing the story, while making it fun for everybody. That's kind of the gold, my golden DM rule. As long as it's fun and the story's moving forward, that's what matters most. But if we're talking just bare bones DMing, you are playing the enemies. You're playing the they're playing the non-player characters, so the enemies. Um, you are going to play the uh, the villagers in town, the god, a god, four gods, twelve gods. You're <laughs> playing the earth, the elementals, everything that is not the player characters you are wholly in charge of. And while it sounds like such a monumental task, um, it that is, is and it, it is and it can be, that's also, but that's also why they have books to allow you to, uh, I'm sorry, they have, uh, campaign books that take the burden off that that overwhelming start and it does a lot of the work for you all you have to do is a little reading a little preparation ahead of time things like that but a dm their main job is running the non-player characters and telling the story and progressing it forward to the enjoyment of all that's basically what it, to me that's what a dm is
2: gotcha you have any uh anything to add there dale
0: yeah <clears throat> a, D- uh, a dm for me on top of everything that Nick said, because I I completely agree one hundred percent. There's a lot of black and white with with DMing, but there's a whole lot of fucking gray as well. So the simplest way I can put this is, you have all your patrons and your deities, which the DM plays. So the DM is that one almighty god. Like he's he's basically he's basically the fucking Google of Dungeons and Dragons for the for for the campaign. It's like, he's the one, he's, all your job is as a DM, to be, like, to be completely honest, is to answer questions the entire fucking time. <laughs> you you tell, you tell, the, they, they ask if something works, like the player characters do, and you tell them yes or no. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, and, and that's one thing that I want to add is, you know, a dungeon master uh, can stick to what's know clearly established in the rule books and stuff but they ultimately have the final say if they want to change how something works uh, like for instance uh, with Nick and and I think Dale uh, you guys kind of change a little bit of how uh, how like bonus actions work in combat with mm. in regards to like potions <sighs> and consumable items
1: um, well and, well sorry 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 I'll let you finish I apologize I was just to say
2: that's essentially that's it's up to you uh, as the dungeon master you have the ability to to tweak things like and it, it, like you have you can do more you just have to let your player characters know ahead of time like hey by the way we're going to do we're going to change it up a little bit and do this instead of that something like that.
1: okay so i just want to add into that and and while you talk about us changing things up um the term homebrew is a pretty common term as well that you'll hear thrown around and uh well, and like what homebrew is you know, it's something you make yourself. And people also have homebrew rules. So it's kind of a, uh, it's almost like a home field advantage, so to speak, as a DM. It's your personal preferences and how you interpret rules. Um, you're, in, in essence, almost like a judge. And you can follow every rule to the letter uh, in the in the uh, PHB, which is uh, the Player's Handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide and all of their source material. Or you can kind of adjust things to how you want how you think they how you think it will work and everything in between so when he you know when you're talking about our bonus action preferences that's because like to me a bonus action it's a six second thing and i i you know uh, an action is or you know your full turn is six to ten seconds i believe dale correct me if i'm wrong i think it's ten set is it ten seconds seconds.
0: it's six seconds
1: six seconds um which you get you know an action bonus action and all these things but I have a preference where you can use a potion as a bonus action, because to me it makes sense. And but Dale in his campaign, is it the same way for you or no? Uh,
0: I base mine off of a off how of- the, off the party itself. If the party is short on healers, which is a very essential part of a party, but I still like to have without getting on too much on a rare, I like the I like my player characters to have, you know, um, full like I I don't want to sit down and say okay well we have we have a monk, we have a, a a rogue, we have a hunter we need somebody to play a cleric or we need somebody to play play a paladin or something i hate I hate when people do that just because they want this full well like well-rounded party so if if they don't have if if somebody doesn't want to play a cleric or a paladin then that i mean that's their choice you know so i I'll change the rule to a bonus action if there's no there's no primary healer. Yeah, so that's the only time I I do it.
1: Yeah, well, and and to cap off the point I was trying to make at the at the end of it, um, it's basically, DMs you can adjust the rules as you see fit and as necessary. As the prime example he gave, the the rulebook says, uh, drinking a potion is a full action, but you know adjustments can be made to the preference of the players, the DM themselves. So. DMing is just as much interpreting the rules and interpreting it as need be per the campaign or your personal preferences.
2: Um, all right, well, we'll go ahead. And, uh, what are what do you guys think? In your opinion, are some good qualities that uh, like a good DM displays? Like you know, like for instance, something I can say is the ability to kind of. Um, I just completely
0: blank. <laughs> I'll don't start. And I'll, let, I'll let you come don't, back. Don't, okay. don't worry.
1: Don't worry. We'll cut around it. It's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start, and, uh, and we'll we'll come back to your thought in a second. Uh, patience is the number one thing, because it, it, when it comes down to it, if you have four, or five, or even six players, which we don't usually play with more like six players, like uh, usually it's about four or five. Uh, you're it's it's really you versus them. the end so you have to try to control all the situations that's going on you have to kind of control the rp but also have it like feel natural like you you want it to feel like they're in control even though everybody knows that the dm is actually the one that's in control you know Um, so patience is the is the number one thing and the number two thing is you have to be quick on your feet because i can't tell you how many times that i've prepared six seven hours worth of content to just shred the piece of the piece of paper that i wrote it on because we never got to it you know i can't tell you how many maps i've built even for this micro campaign that will never see the light of day
2: (laughs) um that is what i was what i was getting at is improvisation uh being able to come up with things on the go because a lot of times you like you said you can come up with this this great segue that you think they're going to go down and then they make one choice that you didn't account for and now you have to like fucking scrap everything and essentially wing it <laughs> so <coughs> go ahead Nick if
1: you're, if oh um, well, I was just waiting till you guys were done I apologize I wasn't trying to jump in there Um, so you know one thing I that's something I always said when it came to D&D uh, as we're on the topic of improv is Dungeons & Dragons is acting slower cousin. And that's kind of the basis of all the RP. It is, you're like in the shittiest improv group that can go the worst possible ways. Um, and so, um, you know, improv is key. And there are tons of things that make a, a, DM, a good DM. But I think a great DM, you know, as you asked, is just somebody who is willing to to... to Put their pride aside and try to make sure that everybody has a good time. That is that is the I've had DMs that dig their heels in the dirt. They're like, "This is the story I'm telling. You're gonna go this way. You're gonna do exactly what I need you to do because that's the story I'm telling." I've had DMs that are just ex- loose to the point where nothing mattered because they, everything was just kind of super fluid. And, you know, you just kind of did what you want. But I've had D- DMs that are healthy balance. I've had you know you know I've done. I've been with so many DMs, so many. But the hallmark that always makes is as long as everybody's having a good time was the, was the main takeaway. As long as you're having fun as a DM and you're that's that's a great DM. That's all you really need. Everything else are important tools and tips and tricks, and we can get into the nuts and bolts. But being a good DM is having all of these all of these you know tools in your web belt. But being a great DM is make sure everybody just has fun. That's the that's the number one purpose of D and D. Purpose or porpoise? Because I can't pronounce words.
0: I'd say i say just adding one last thing is, uh, I think what makes a, a DM really good is the amount that they do prepare. Whether it is um, a lot, like uh, whether it's like a lot that just even never even gets used, um, or they're just trying to drive drive the story forward and they're going to do that no matter what players choose. Um, as long as they can make it feel feel natural, I, I think that the amount that that a DM prepares shows how much he cares and shows how much he cares about his players, how much he cares about the game, and how much he cares about his story that he's trying to tell or her story that they're they're trying to tell. So I think a good DM is, uh, I, I guess not not so much how much they prepare, but how much they care about this world that they're trying to build. Does it does it show what that with you know? Can you, can you see it on your, your player character's face when something drastic happened that they that they didn't think was going to happen? Like, th- those raw emotions that come out in this game, uh, I think that and, and you, you know that it's, you're the one that's telling the story, you're the one that wrote the story, and you're the one that is causing all this stuff to happen, um, and you have these outcomes. I think that that's really a, a really a good thing that a DM can have, like a good trait that a DM can have. It's just like that preparation skill.
1: The more we talk about DMs, the more we just sound like shitty Batman.
0: That's true, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He has all these tools in his belt.
1: He's got all these tools in his belt. He can improv like a motherfucker. (laughs) He's prepared ahead of time.
0: He's always prepared. He has an outcome outcome for everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. That that is a... All right, blow pass. past. We can't get sued by DC. All right, so the next (laughs) question... We'll move right on along. The next
2: question that I wrote was, uh, would you recommend for a starting DM... Uh, would you recommend them starting off with doing just a one shot, or like a full out, you know, campaign? Um, uh, you cut F- out there on your. Oh, you're fine. F- I was just saying. Uh, would you suggest to a starting dungeon master to do to start off with a one shot, or like a full out campaign?
1: Um, I'll uh, I'll jump in on this. Um, also, I just want to ask real quick. Um. We have a question in chat. I don't know if you want to address it or hold that off for later. Uh,
2: I'm, I actually went ahead and I wrote that. I added it to the end of the list. So we'll hit that oh, question out- here in a little bit.
1: Outstanding. So I like that. So then if people want to ask questions throughout, we can just add it and we'll get it, get to them as we go. Perfecto. Sorry, I just want to uh, jump in there. Um, so um, to go back, I genuinely, I've heard this one before. I've been asked this as like somebody who's DM'd a lot and played, you know, D and D for fucking almost fifteen years now. Holy Christ! Um, so, so, oh my God, no, it is fifteen years. We started when we were thirteen. Holy yeah. shit!
2: Oh, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah, it was. It is fifteen.
1: Oh. Okay, fuck. Anyways, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm. I've been playing. We've been playing D anD D more than half of our life at this point. You realize that? Like that's nuts, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Sorry. Anyways, anyways. Um, I think it's such a hard question to gauge. Um, for a new DM to get their feet. I mean, because you know, you could say one shot works for a new DM, fresh off the boat with player characters who have played before, right? That could work out great. You have a DM who does a brand new DM who's doing a brand new campaign with a whole brand new set of, of players as well. So it's a new experience for everybody. There's a lot less tension. You know, I, I I really think it's dependent on your group. If, you know, you're a brand new DM and your group is experienced and you're jumping in, hell, let that dude get take the reins. Let your, do, let your buddy do a one-shot and let them kind of get a feel for DMing if they want to make a campaign, if they want to kind of further the one-shot, make a small mini campaign, micro campaign, um, you know, stuff like that. But, excuse me. Um, and then, but then also, uh, on the on the flip side of that, you know, it's like it it like I've said before, and I'll say again, it's always talking with your group. It is having that that rapport and making sure it's known ahead of time. Like, hey, we're all new. Hey, I'm new at DMing. You were new at playing the game. You know, or you know X Y Z. But it really, I think, is dependent on the group situation. I, I but I will say to clarify, you know, for the question's sake. Um, I think for a new DM with experienced crew, a one shot is perfect. It lets you get a taste. It lets you you know dance around and play what you need to play. And I think for um an inexperienced group, uh, you know a campaign is perfect because then you can get the full breadth of knowledge through a campaign and and you have the growing pains together oh. I, I actually
2: really like that answer.
0: I think. Uh... I I do I do agree with that for the most part. I do that. I do think that uh, if you are going to run a campaign or a one shot as a as a brand new DM, whether or not your crew is experienced or not, I think that it's easier and it's a smarter thing to do. So you can kind of understand how the structure of things work. Is to run one out of either uh, if it's a one shot, run a module. They have uh, thousands of modules on. Uh, D beyond and other other sites that people have written that that basically give you a step-by-step on how things progress and they give you options um and then there's these source books like i have i have camp we have campaign settings for a reason we have Icewind dale we have candle keep mysteries we have all these source books they give you a step-by-step play on what's happening in the world around you and all you have to do is convey that to your players but i think that if you want to become a good DM, like one that that we consider, what we just talked about, a good DM, I think you take that setting, or you take that one shot, and you add your own twist to it, so you can kind of get the feel of what it feels like to have something of your own. You get that feel of, hey, I'm not just reading this off a piece of paper, I'm I'm world building now, you know? Yes, I'm, I'm using... Sort, but that's that's I'm using sources from other people's uh, written works and stuff like that. But that's really what DD and just fantasy in general is all about, right? Is just pulling ideas from uh, some people from people who've already done it and making it into your own.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a quick little ad- uh, you know, kind of uh, append to that question is, um, do you guys have any um of the like pre-written. Campaign books that you would recommend to uh, starter DM and maybe even starter players.
1: Curse of Strahd.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent.
1: I'm kidding, by the way. Don't, don't. Curse of Strahd is a pain in the. It's a great camp. It is by a, by and large one of the best campaign books out there. It is a pain in the dick for brand experienced DMs. It's a pain in the ass at times, like it is, and, and experienced parties. Um. um now, I would say probably. Uh, is it the Waterdeep heist, the one we did at level one? Water, yeah. We there's there's ice water Waterdeep it, or something like that.
0: It's really there's really two, uh, campaign books in that little series, but they're both micro campaigns. Um, and it, basically one of the books is the the Great Dragon Heist or Waterdeep Dragon Heist or something like that, and the other one is the the tomb of the Major. I have it right, sitting right next to me. Uh, <laughs> oh god.
2: Waterdeep
1: Deep
0: Dragon Heist. Uh, so basically, they're they're both they're both uh basically part of one larger campaign, but the first book ends on a note to where you could end the campaign and be happy satisfied. Yeah. The first one is is the Water Deep, the Water Deep Dragon Heist. This will, this will take your players from level one to about level seven or level five or something like that, um, and then second part is water deep dungeon of the mad mage um and that'll take you from where you left off in the dragon heist to like level 13 or 14 so you, you get a little taste of having a, a more experienced character
2: yeah
0: but either, either way, way, way i i agree i think that it's a very 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 easy campaign to run it's a very fun campaign to not only run but play as player characters um it has everything lined up for you almost perfectly, and it there, it still leaves enough open space to where you could add your own stuff into it.
1: Yeah, I would say that's probably the best.
0: Followed, campaign
1: setting book like
0: that. Fo- Followed very very shortly by uh, one of the newer books about I- Icewood Dale, the Rime of the Icewood Dale. Because that book is very, very straightforward. It doesn't leave a lot of openings for world building yourself. Uh, it's very straightforward, but it's just like, it's, it's, I've just, I haven't read it. Because it just, uh, it just came out last year, but I have read it about three times and it's, it's wonderful.
1: So. The smile on your face is <laughs> bro, bro, I'm like, it's, like it's a, wonderful. When, so it, so excited when a new, when what a new
0: D&D book comes out, I, I'm like a kid in a fucking candy shop, like, give it bro, to me. Bro, I, I, may, may, bro, I may, never. may never fucking use it, but give it to me. <laughs> like,
1: oh. bro, I need it. Yeah. Bro, um, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't, had, I haven't had fucking liquor in so long, it's kind of hidden. Yeah, that was me, <laughs> like,
0: the first two episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Icewood Dale. Rime of the Frost Maiden is a beautiful mm-hmm. book to run. Rim of and the I, Frostmaiden. Uh, yeah, Rhyme it says Rime. No, that's Rim. Rim of the fr- rib of the Frostmaiden.
1: Rimming the Frostmaiden, got it.
0: Um yeah, the worst. So the, those three books are books that I would I would I'm pick up. If you're, if you're a new DM. And they're they're very fun to run it with even experienced players, so.
2: It's definitely yes. good, good for me because, you know, like I said, I, I've never, I, I think I DM'd once when I was like 13 and I had no idea what I was doing and I haven't done it since.
1: So to be fair, it was like, it was like losing your virginity. It was dark. There was only a few of us there. Nobody had any idea what was happening. Somebody died at the end. It was, it was we all, cr- We all crame. We all fuck it. <laughs> you, all, you all, you all. No, that's crame. too close to saying Kramer. I, I can't do it. I can't. It is. We all had a group collective, a collective crumb. I like collective crumb better than cream.
0: Yeah, we we had a collective Kramer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hate it. A, hate a
0: social. It. Uh, it's a it's a communal Kramer. It's like a, a so a socialistic Kramer.
1: Oh uh, no! Oh, I hate it. No, nope, I'm sick of communal crumb. This is uh,
0: this is our crumb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is our crumb. This is our crumb. Um. All right. So the next
2: question I have here it says <clears throat> I wrote, you know. So, you're preparing for a DD session, like not just a session, but you're preparing to start like a new one shot or campaign or micro campaign. um What are some questions or what kind of information would you give to your player characters, you know, before they actually start like building their characters or before you actually start to play that session zero, you know, session one?
1: Hmm. He's bringing the thunder, Idney Dale.
0: Yeah, yeah. I personally give well, I, once again I'm going to have to go back to, to Nick's answer last time. It, it really depends on the group you're playing. If it's a fresh group who's never played, full of people who this is, this is their intro into to D&D then I'll give them all the information they want except for about what the main story is about. If it's experienced players like the people that we have been playing with for the past couple of years then I'm not going to give them any information. I might give them the information of Somebody says, "Hey, I'm, I'm going I I want to play an elf. I just need to know where my hometown is, blah blah blah." And I would tell them uh, all the places that uh, elves reside are like in high population. So stuff like that. But I, w- I really wouldn't tell them anything. I, w- I w- when it comes down to D and D, I me personally as a DM, I like people to experience the lore of the country they're in or the the world that they're in by finding it out through conversation or through books or, you know, whatever.
1: Right. So uh, I'm a little different in this, this fact, I do agree with Dale on the, on the, it depends on the group, but I do want to, I do want to add a caveat to that. Um, it also depends what I like to do, at least as far as giving the group is like, Hey, here's what, it, what, what creatures or what, uh, player characters you can be so you can pull from the player's handbook or you can uh, pull from a home site i just have to look over it first like give them idea, an idea of like hey here's what what you can make ahead of time let me know your character maybe a little backstory and all that and um but i mean that's more of the nuts and bolts of going into it is making sure that nobody's running a fucking um i'm a i'm a i'm a johnny depp raced gunslinger like you know you just nobody needs that all right I had, like going into it dry or somebody comes into it and they're like oh i'm playing a homebrew class um i play well it's a homebrew race as well i'm a i'm a full orc it's different than orc um i just have a, a base uh 45 strength um and you know my weapon does uh 4d20s times 2 uh and you know <laughs> you know shit like that um, just to make sure that, the, so I can adjust accordingly what we're going into. Right. Just set um, some ground rules, you know. Just set some ground rules more so than, than but as far as the lore and the stories, the stories concerned, um, I don't have any problem in inter- introducing in the prologue important informa- information that the party needs to know. You know, getting ahead of time and, and talking with one another, DM to group, and vice versa you know and and making sure everybody's on the same page going into it but then giving that like he said it's it is it is it is softly just sprinkling in that world detail telling them like and leading them into it and kind of slowly opening that door to the campaign to the world around them thing and you know make sure they know pertinent information that the character would know but really you know laying the foundation through the storytelling rather than just letting out here's all this right before you start make sure you remember it right
2: um, the kind of inverse of that question is you as DMs um, in your personal experience, what kind of questions or what are the most common questions that player characters will ask you, you know, before they, before they start their, you know, their side? so um, Like, you know, like I know that, uh, that Nick, <laughs> I know in our experience, you are kind of against, like, like you said, homebrewed. Uh, like classes and races and stuff like that, because for the most part they end up being like cheesy and OP and shit. Uh, so like, you know, I know I know for sure. Like even not being a DM, but being kind of like a liaison for other characters, like people have asked me like, oh well, do you think the DM would allow this kind of character or this kind of class? And I'm like, nah, dude. <laughs> like if it's not from an expansion or the the PHB, like <laughs> you gotta you gotta figure something out. But uh, yeah. but what kind of questions do you guys normally get?
1: I mean that's a really it's a really broad question um but i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in and caveat caveat on that because i i got brought into it um as as my example um so the my main reason for that um and it is honestly it's one of the biggest questions um what can i play what can i be what can i what race can i be and all you know yada 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 i will say The reason I do that is because I'm lazy, and this is something I want to add for something we'll talk about later. The DM is putting in probably three to five times more effort than you are. Preparing the campaign, preparing the map, preparing the notes, preparing the PC, preparing the story. They work for free, and nine times out of ten are your friend. If you go into this with an attitude of, well, what about me? You're already an asshole. Because your friend is going above and beyond to give you a good experience. Now, I'm not saying every DM, every DM, or there are DMs that don't prepare; they kind of suck. But if it's your friend, they're doing this. This is this is free 99, man. Nobody's no nine times nine 99% of the time, nobody's charging you. The DM isn't asking for a cover charge every you know every time you come to play in the campaign. So expectations should you know you if if you want more, find a new find a new table find another dm that's going to give you more than what than that you know but that's just a that's just something for later i'll touch more on that but um and i uh, you know the most frequent question i get asked nine times out of ten outside of the what race and what can i be which is you know we've touched on and and it is a prime example but i get asked how does that make sense? Like when people ask me like how like I connect dots in the story, where does this lead X will lead to y? why does a equal B? like uh, sometimes in the story, players will get very confused because they be like, well, this doesn't add up here. This character had this intention and my character had this intention, but then this happened to cause a rift. Or how did this person die even though blah, 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 um, How does that make sense? And I've been asked that multiple times. It's probably the most common thing I've been asked, but I will say it like this. Sometimes when you're running a long campaign as a DM, you're setting up a story. You are doing some spider web bullshit <laughs> to really wrap it around and connect the dots. And if people never make it to the end or they miss key components because you know, they just skipped parts of your story and you can't really work it back in well without it just being forced, you know, and it's not conducive to the story you are now currently telling. You know, players are just like, well, how does that work? How did this... But sometimes you have to understand, like, like um, we're going to have with Dale next week and this is something I'm excited about. We're going to have a, a post-session or a post-micro-campaign talk as in uh, you know just hash out hey what questions you have what did you miss what questions do you do you want to ask that i can answer now that the micro campaign's done with and that's something you should have your dm and talk about at the end well how did i miss this or this or that or why does this character hate this or how does this person die and you know just because you know the dm's telling the story they're trying to tell a good i hope a good story and try interesting and intriguing but you know it is something that is difficult at times to weave in wholly and completely. And hell, sometimes your your friend you're sitting next to his character knows things that are pertinent, but they're not telling you because it's just part of the story. It's what it's become. So that's probably the most frequently question I, I get asked outside of the the basic stuff. But you know, how does that make sense? And it's honestly, it's make it to the end and then talk to your DM about it, or even post session if they want to about certain aspects, you know, things yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, I get asked a lot of. Uh, I get first and foremost, I'll go off of what Nick said. I get I get asked that quite often, uh, and what I want people to try to understand, coming from uh, a DM myself, is the world doesn't follow the party. You guys are just in a story. You're in a world, and you have uh this adventure that you happen to be on, but the world around you. Does it just like once you leave a town, that town doesn't just freeze or cease to exist like there's there's <sighs> stuff happening in that town even like, if you're across even if you're across the 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 map the country it, Dale yeah
1: are you saying that life finds a way?
0: life finds a way and it goes on and that's the most important thing to understand is that if somebody if if you met somebody in a town Uh, You went on a quest for that person, you were gone for weeks at a time, if not months, and you come back and that person is dead? The biggest question is, don't ask the DM why, find the fuck out. Like, go go look around, try to figure it out, because chances are, there's a reason. Life goes on, and it, it doesn't stop just because the party moved on from that town, or from this quest line, or they went and did something else. It's not like the world just stops, there's things going on at all times and the DM is just trying to explain why it makes sense. Gotcha. But it's also like me as a DM, I want the party if if the party has questions like that and we have the time and we're not on a time crunch then I want the party to if they're really curious, go find out. Start asking questions. Ask around town, ask the closest people who were, you know, the the people who are closest to that person that you're you're w- wondering about. Whatever it is. But, but yeah. anyway, that's just me going on a little rant about that another another one of the most like uh like the i get it even from like the super experienced players is can i do this (laughs) like (laughs) can can i can i does this make sense um and it's like it's it's great it's a good feeling um because they're not only just like asking like your permission if this makes sense in your world but sometimes you have experienced players who found something in the the player handbook or in Xanathar or or any of the, the the like expansions to the player's handbook that doesn't quite make sense, and that's when it comes down to it's your call. What do you think? The DM like, discretion. Yeah, yeah. So like like just for a small example, uh, when Nate joined our micro campaign, one of the, the first questions he asked is um i took this feat i'm not quite sure what it is and does it work with this specific spell you know and i was you know i had to really read like it gave me homework i was like i'll get back to you and an hour later after reading the how that that feat works and the spell that he wants and i had to read them and just like really read between the lines read each word understand how each of these spells work um I had an answer for him. And you know, and that's that's what the DM does. Like we drop what we're doing throughout our day to help you guys so that you guys can have a fulfilled experience. But I, I get it from even even Nick. Like, I'm just gonna throw you under the bus because we're we're good friends like that. But I get it from all the fucking time all the every fucking session. Can I do this? <laughs> and then I, I usually will say, No, that doesn't make any sense because you already did this. He's like Okay, but hear me out. What if I? <laughs> I, can look, I can see that. I can see that. Look,
1: look. Hear me out, Dale. Okay. Yeah. Hear me out on this, Daddy. May I? All right. First off, it's, it's a baby. baby. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, uh, it's, you're 100 percent correct. But the only reason I, I, I will add on to that is just because I'm trying to make. It's okay to ask questions, but I'm not forcing it. <laughs>
0: No, you're not. No, you're not. I just want to
1: like, you know, there's cuz it's it, it nuance of stuff. Things we could talk about later. It's not, like, not not about this specific, but another podcast.
0: Mostly my answer to the question just to give like this this the listeners um, some clarification. Most of the time my answer to can I do this is I don't know. Roll, let's find out like because it really it does even if it's my discretion, it really comes down to the dice and it comes down to chance can you, can your character actually do this or pull this off?
1: And when it comes to wrath and anything wisdom-based, no.
0: If it comes to wrath and anything that has to do with perception, it's just that you automatically, for some reason, you even roll low.
1: <laughs> the gods are fickle that way. They spit in his eye often. <laughs> um, so the,
2: how do you guys determine, you know, you, you're starting a campaign for the first time, you have no idea what these player characters are capable of. How do you kind of like set a baseline for how hard or easy you're going to make the combat encounter? You know, how do you make sure that the first one, you don't accidentally TPK, you know, or it's just so easy that they just breeze right
0: through it? I got this, is that I I actually make it... uh, The very first encounter, which is usually the most important encounter, is really set there, not only because it's fun for players to to jump right into, not have to worry about like jumping straight into RP and they can just jump straight into a combat and then that'll lead, a lot of the time that, that combat will lead to RP and that RP will lead to story building. And it gets the players, especially if they've never played together, like, used to playing together, used to communicating, trying to understand what other players are doing, because that's how combat works. It's not just walk up to the bad guy and slap, 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 until he's dead. It's like, there's a... You clearly have
1: never played a fighter. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, a lot of of the time, it has to do with players working together. You really have to... But me, I always set the first first encounter to be uh, more of an easier... I, I still make it, like, a little bit above their, their level. If they're level 1, I'll set it to, like, level 2 or level 3 characters. Or, I mean, um, combat level and stuff like that. But it's, like, just because I want to know what they're capable of. And from there, that, that gives me a good idea of, okay, I need to make things a little bit harder. They, they can really handle themselves. They work together as a team. They're really good at communicating. They're really good at understanding what other players are going to do before they do it. So I, I know that I need to make this encounter harder. Or that tells me the complete opposite. You know, okay, I need to stick it right, right about here until they start leveling up and they start understanding their characters more.
1: I I, I agree with Dale on everything, but I, I will add this: um, with low with lo, level with parties level one to three, good luck regardless of how good you are. Sometimes the dice are just against you. Level <laughs> one characters, especially, sometimes nobody's walking away from the encounter. I I did a one shot with a with a few people and. Um, <laughs> they couldn't handle seven total goblins between three of them. <laughs> they literally got killed. Um, and you know, well, understanding. So was it, like three
2: spellcasters and like six health? No, no. Just
1: a, a paladin, um a druid, and something else. They have like healing and all that. They just literally walked in, got crit once or twice. They didn't work well together at all, and just immediately just, and then they they couldn't hit anything, and everything could hit them. So you know, because for me, it was a it was a one shot, and I'm not being a dick when I say this. Um, it was a one shot, and I didn't go in there going like, "All right, time to murder these people," because they're they they won't they don't need to have fun. It was a, it was a one shot that we were doing uh, for fun, and uh, I I and everybody was a veteran player, and so for that kind of shit, I take the kick gloves off. I'm like, whatever rolls rolls. If I'm doing a long campaign, ah, eh, fuck it. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll fudge a roll or two for for lower lower end parties, but eh, you know, it's one of the it, it's a judging situation, but as as they get higher level, and I will say especially around level 10 to 12 as uh, we are in our main campaign, it is a kind of a nightmare to adjust as a DM to your guys' level um, and, and you're fighting because sometimes when I throw an adult red dragon at you or sorry, an adult white dragon at you at level 9 that is meant for level 15 characters. You guys absolutely beat it into the earth so badly that I don't even fucking take somebody below half health. Other times, I make a completely balanced encounter that is the most even-kilt, and it feels like the party is just doing horribly. You know, so it is it is walking a fine line, you know, because, you know, it's... it's it's really fun when everybody gets to beat the shit out of the dragon, but it feels really bad when a group of assassins comes after you and you get your shit rocked for once. It's, it is a, it is a balance, it's it's finding it, but I will say, lower-end parties, it is a nightmare for balancing, because you can do everything right, make it as easy as possible, and they will still kill themselves somehow. And then, higher-end parties, it can be extremely difficult, because they are hard to keep. I'm not, I'm not saying advocating for going out and murdering the party, but you, you are attempting to stop them in the story as the bad guys. I'm not advocating for just straight up being like, "Oh, time to make them fight in a fucking Tarask every time," because that's <laughs> my job as a DM. They need to die, but more so as balanced as possible. Uh, you know, balancing risk and reward, death and 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 you know, and life, and continuing the story while feeling they are, have some sort of challenge at them, not blowing through everything.
0: Right? Yeah, basically, that's- I basically what it what it for new for new like players that's how that's how i w- the way i explained it was how i find my my balance but w- if they're level five six or even uh, like upwards of 10 and 11 um i usually try to set my kid encounters to where if i have a party of four um i try to get it to where i'm able to it's a hard enough challenge that probably one or two of them is going to be knocked unconscious but the other two can can still finish them off. So it's going to be. I want it to be as balanced as possible. Um, and it's it's a hard. Nick's right. It's a hard thing to find. But that's usually what I aim for. Is let me let me just like knock two of them unconscious. You know, <laughs> because <laughs> right. it gives the party some some like oh shit, we really have to you know work together type type deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh,
1: okay. oh sorry. No, okay. I was just going to say we're about an hour and change in right now. I know we played a little Rocket League beforehand, but um. You guys want to take a quick little break, top off the drinks, use the bathroom? Yeah. We're about halfway through the
2: questions that I had prepared for today. So if you guys want to go ahead and take a quick little it would be yeah, a perfect deal. time to do that. And we're back. Um all right. So uh move on to this last half of questions that I prepared. I before we start on this, I just want to say, you know. This I I came up with this idea because you know like I said I I am not comfortable with DMing, so when, Nick when you said earlier like oh he's really he's really uh <laughs> like yeah, he's really hitting the hard ones here. Uh, these are just questions that I came up of like when I thought of like okay like I'm going to, like I just told myself okay I'm gonna start DMing like I, I'm gonna DM next week you know not not really but like my brain's like okay I'm gonna DM next week. What the fuck don't I know?
1: <laughs> so it,
2: it was actually really easy like once I like sat down and started writing these questions I literally had 15 and I was like shit <laughs> I think I nice. have too many
1: <laughs> yeah man DMing is just so much but right. I mean, it's a good it's, topic good topic yeah uh so Hello.
2: this oh, one this is one? as a little more opinion this is how you guys you guys specifically go about it but just you know, when it comes to DC checks know um so like in your like in your mind how do you determine like what would be something that would be like easy to do versus something that would be hard to do and what would be like your difficult like your dc number that you'd have to hit for something that's easy versus something that's like
1: pretty uh difficult? you want to run that one by me again buddy no i i hear you're saying it's that is such a that is broad 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 <laughs> yeah, question supposed to be no, I, I got that um right. Dale. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask
0: Just, you a question? What's up?
1: Dale, I want to talk to a barmaid. huh. I want to hit on her. It's my uh-huh. DC check.
0: Well, standard for for D&D. This is this is what I I well, actually most people who play D&D, a standard is a, D, a DC 10. Just <sighs> mm-hmm. to, to start. Um, if you roll, if you roll a 10 or higher, then you succeed, or at least, this is the thing about DC checks is people you, the first thing you need to understand is just because you succeed a DC check, doesn't mean you succeed in what you're trying to accomplish. It just means you have a better, um, outcome. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to be an automatic success though.
1: Yep. Some, uh, somebody want to fucking write that one down for Nate? (laughs)
0: Yeah, so here's the, and that's that's what a lot of player characters assume is that well I passed my DC so like why did why did it work? It's and that's because it's not a guaranteed success. Just like natural twenties, like the natural twenties just gives you a, an extra boost towards you know a good outcome, but it's not a guaranteed success when it comes to DC checks.
1: Mm-hmm. And it, ha- it
0: has to make sense, and that's the thing. If you are an awkward person, and Nick just, like, we're going back to your barmaid. you want to talk to a barmaid? But you're playing a character that has no social skills, is very awkward, and also, you have to remember that I, I'm the one that, me being the DM for you, I'm the one that wrote th- this barmaid's character, so I know the ins and outs of this person, and I know her type, I know um, what, what's going to happen. Then uh, it doesn't mean that you're. It has to make sense for the story. It has to make sense for the situation, and that's what you have to understand. But that's usually what I'll say if I if I know that I'll I'll move away from the standard DC ten, uh, and I'll say, okay, well Nick's going to approach this bar maiden. He has he's playing a character who has no uh, social skills. He is a very awkward character. Can you're really sp-
1: attacked right now
0: can barely speak, could barely speak English or whatever, whatever he's whatever character he's playing. Dale, could I'm you going, stop
1: just putting me as a character? Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to set that DC for much higher. I'm going to take that DC ten. and I'm going to say, okay, well, it's going to be a lot harder for him to make. So I'm going to do DC fifteen. You know, and if he rolls higher than that, it doesn't mean that she's going to go out with him. It just means that, yeah, maybe she'll like engage in an actual conversation with this person. You know, something like that. It just. It's not an automatic success, and that's something that, that people need, need to realize when it comes to the standard for DCs.
1: And sometimes there's a DC 40, I meaning you're probably not going to hit it ever. But that's still a DC for an impossible thing. Because uh, and let, me, let me use a prime example out of a meme, of all things. Who would have thought, huh? They can use them on CNN. We can use them here. So there's a, there's a, it's a joke where a guy goes, I rolled a natural 20. The dragon loves me. No, the dragon just isn't going to kill you now. Yeah. Which is, and that's like the biggest catch in like something, <clears throat> and what Dale was talking about in a prime example. But natural 20 is not an automatic success. It just greatly, you know, it greatly helps your odds. So you're on nat 20 and you're flirting with the, I don't know, angry barbarian orc who's tried to kill you for the last 20 minutes. Instead of breaking your arm, she just lifts it off her thigh and lets it go.
0: It's just like a successful a successful DC role really comes down to if you if you like a, a successful meaning that you pass the DC. Uh, it just means that there's there's going to be a better outcome than what we had anticipated. It doesn't mean that you're going to automatically make this person fall in love with you or that you're automatically going to. Uh, perfect example, mini campaign two episodes uh, two episodes ago or two sessions ago. You guys were all um, chained you guys you guys wanted to try to break your chains it's it's steel what are the chances that your your human fucking bodies are gonna be able to break steel from behind your back
1: i don't know pretty good all right how much water do i have
0: so so it's 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 one of those things that's like all right you you made a successful dc you made your you passed the dc or whatever you just don't hurt your your fucking wrist you don't break your wrist or pop it out of socket or something you know or whatever
2: I feel like that yep. is something that like, me as a player character, who's somebody who has never DM before, I often can fall into that trap of like, oh, this is a nat 20, whatever I wanted to happen is gonna happen now, you know? Like, oh fuck yeah, or like, I'll, I'll like, roll a really high DC and then things will still go wrong, and I'm like, what the fuck? Was this like a 25? You know, or something ridiculous like that, but like, that puts a lot into context for
0: me. It's, it's, just remember. It needs to make sense,
2: right?
0: Something, something like, uh, like Nick said, where I'm gonna flirt with this dragon. No, you pass the DC. This dragon's not gonna kill you now. It may talk to you, or it may just fly away, let you live. But then there's also the DC checks which go along with more like sk- towards the actual like physical skill checks, like pickpocketing or lockpicking, and you ha- you're using the correct tools and stuff like that. If you pass the DC, chances are you're gonna get something off that person's body, you know. If 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 I walk up, let's just use Ebo for an example. I walk up to a guard and I say, and the guard is is kind of being a dick, and I say, I'm gonna pickpocket him, right, Nick? I pass the DC. At that point, it's like he has to give me something. The guard probably doesn't have anything, so what did you give me? You gave me a a, a portrait of his family. <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, which, is, the, which is enough,
1: but but also, and remember, <laughs> I gave you a portrait of his family, but it didn't stop the guard next to him from going, the "Fuck, are you stealing from him, man." Yeah, like it just if you're stealing from somebody in broad daylight, just because you, and that's also, and that's a, and dude, this fucking weird tennis we're having with this question is wonderful right now, and I want you to know that. Um, but I, I'm going to move forward on it. Um, so. Uh, just because you pass that DC doesn't mean there's outward effects around you because of the action you just took. I'm sorry, the skill check you just passed. So you, so like his prime example. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pickpocket the guard. Cool. It's two p.m. in the afternoon. The sun's out. There are hundreds of people around. You steal a photo from of his family. Other guards are at alert because you just had a hostile interaction with the guard. They're watching <laughs> you. They watch you. Hey, the guy didn't feel you pickpocket. You had your hand on his chest while you're talking to him. Sensory, you know, sens- sensory was feeling up here, not down there. You got the, you got the picture. Nailed it. Now, four other guards just saw you steal from this guy in broad daylight. And be like, this is a memory you can't get back, and you run. You know, it's it's yeah. just because you passed that does not mean there aren't outward um, reactions or effects from what you just did. That's something that people need to keep in mind, too. Just because you got, even if you got a nat 20 on that, you got a nat 20, you pickpocketed the shit out of them. Everybody still saw it, but they're like, damn, that was a good pickpocket. Not time to beat his ass. Yeah, you know, right? that's, and that's something people seem to forget is like, you don't get scot-free Scott away from all, everything you just did, from what, you, what just happened. If you're literally lying through your teeth in front of everyone, you pass, you do great. They signed this contract, and now they, they bought a fake plot of land. It doesn't mean later that they're not going to come back to you and go, "Hey, man, this is a fake plot of land." But I passed the DC. It, it doesn't. You pass the DC for them to, to believe your lie, not that they're not going to check up on the lie itself.
0: Right. It just it, for the world. It just has to make sense. Like, there's always going to be ways to get around things, and it's up to the DM's discretion. Like me personally, like if I if I just me as a player, when it comes down to that that pickpocketing the guard i should have i should have played it better and made it make more sense knowing that hey this needs to make sense if i didn't want to get caught by the other guards i should have went in and hugged the guard you know and if i went into a full embrace and said hey man thank you so much for what you're doing for the town you're really keeping it safe this is tough times uh come in let me give a hug and i hug the guard and then i pickpocket him i probably had a higher chance of not being seen by the other guards you know or or whatever but you just the DM and players alike, you have to. It has to make sense for the story, or not even the story, but the situation.
1: A hundred percent. Okay.
2: So this one kind of se- segues onto something else. This one, I am going to one hundred percent attribute this question to Dale. Um, he was the inspiration for this one specifically because of. <laughs> Our Wednesday
0: session.
1: Can I say something real quick? What? Dale, you're granted one inspiration point in our campaign when you come back.
0: I Appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you. Can I? Can I know the reason why?
1: <laughs> because you inspire Keanu. Oh, so I'm inspiring you. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're welcome. So, just to give a little bit of a
2: backstory for people that didn't didn't weren't here for the Wednesday session, there was a moment in our campaign where. Uh, another player character and I were stuck in a room um, that had tons of traps everywhere. Uh, it was basically the, the these faces came out of the wall. Uh, they looked kind of like gnomes, and it just starts pouring water down. Um, and it starts to fill up the room. So this question is essentially like, what are some of the inspirations that you guys have gotten for like traps and puzzles? And, you know, like, the things that aren't something that, uh, you know, like, a beginner DM would normally think of, like, putting a trap in your campaign, like, oh, shit, like, that's, that's cool. I can create my own traps. Like, what, what are some things that you guys turn to, to get, like, that inspiration?
1: Four dick. Three shots and watching Saw. (laughs) <laughs> i'll be straight up uh, my first night as a kid as a dm i was like i was like i gotta come up with some traps i got fucking drunk and watched saw and i came up like look i just heard i just Ernest hemingwayed it up okay i just i had drinks and i fucking got inspiration did i mimic everything from saw i did not but did it inspire me yeah it did so i'm not gonna sit there and fucking lie but yeah dude one of my favorite things in the world, for, and this is just going to touch on any inspiration, not just traps or anything like that, man. When I'm really writing a campaign, I'm really digging in, I like to set the atmosphere. I don't know why. It's like, I like to, I'll, I will buy a bottle of mead. I won't drink beer. I won't drink ale. I will drink mead or something. I'll drink as, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put on Lord of the Rings, I extended edition. Uh, I will... You're you know, or I'll put on some some fantasy setting music or things like that. And I'll really kind of dig in and kind of put myself in that atmosphere. But that works for me. And you got to find what works for you. You know, three shots and saw might work for you. Um, uh, You know, waking up early on a Saturday with coffee and thinking about not being a murder psychopath might also work for you as well. And that's OK. But I'm just giving you examples of what works for me. And I will say atmospheric setting. Works splendidly for me, and it helps me really get in the mood of DMing. Um, sometimes I, you know, I like to like. W- I'll wake up, I'll have a cup of coffee in the in the morning on Saturday or Sunday. I'll read a book. I'll read, you know, uh, you know, a few chapters out of a book I'm reading currently reading, and then I'll kind of dig in. I'll kind of like, oh like, hell, I'll I'll be at work and I'll just sit there because I'm bored and just think of something. Go, I gotta write this down, and I'll just write it down. I, I I have an app in my phone for notes, specifically so I can write down D and D notes because I'll have just the weirdest boom inspiration i got to do this i got to do this 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 be great i'll be reading an article and you know of uh, you know of uh, just actual news and it'll just hit with inspiration i mean it just hits wherever you always have a pen and pencil always have something on you but you got to find what works for you sometimes you have to put yourself in that in that setting sometimes it just hits you at any time you know it's just you just got to find what works for you
0: can't say that i personally subconsciously have any uh inspiration on what when I put traps. I can tell you, and this is this is very bad for me to tell you guys this because you guys are players in my micro campaign and it's giving away it's kind of metagaming in a way.
1: Don't worry about it's, it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like it's just well even like when we get into the long campaigns and stuff like that, it's gonna be metagaming. But the way I figure out how to place a trap is based off a risk reward. So, if you guys... I can't let you... Just can't hand something to you without t- some type of risk. And that's what I know. Okay, well, they're finding a, their way back to the surface. Like, in th- just in this, this micro-campaign. They're, they're on their way to find their way back to the surface. What obstacle am I going to put in their way? Because I can't just let it be as easy as, hey, there's a staircase. You know? And that's that's where a lot of... But a lot of my stuff comes subconsciously, and I, I don't realize that I'm pulling inspiration from other fantasy stuff. Um, and it, I don't even, like, I don't realize it until, for example, you guys were, you guys were in the tavern upstairs. Um, I set up this really eerie, scary, horror section of this campaign. Uh, something happens. You guys get ch- chased by a troll. The hallway enlarges. The, the troll pulls the hallway, and it like enlarges from three feet to five feet as he starts chasing you down. And right after you guys get into safety, what are, what is the first thing both Nick and Keanu say to me? Wow, wow that's some re- that's <laughs> some real Demon Slayer vibes. And it's like I didn't, even, I wasn't even thinking of Demon Slayer when I did it. I think it all comes subconsciously. But that's just kind of what fantasy is and what D and D is is that. It's recycling material and, you know, and using it in your own way. You're, you're always going to pull, somebody's already done something that you have done. You're just going to use it in a different way.
1: Yeah. yeah and I was, I was going to add on to that too. Just, just a tail end. I agree with you completely, Dale. And it's the thing is people go, I i don't want to be unoriginal. That's dude. It's hard to not be at this point. Yeah. We have the internet. We have the combined human knowledge. Statistically at this point has thought of it first. It's Okay. Yeah. Like, don't it, I mean, don't rip the campaign of Lord of the Rings fucking word for word. But hey, don't feel unoriginal just because you're like, well, this is similar to an anime I like or this book I read. Dude, fuck it, man. Make it work for you. It's the it's the same thing with musicians Good. just because, the, hey, that riff sounds something like the Foo Fighters would make. It sounds like something they would make, but ain't shit they've recorded. So let's fucking roll. Right. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just fucking, you know, make it yours. That's what's more important than anything. Just make it yours and run with it.
0: Nick, I just gotta—I just gotta tell you right now don't, that don't, don't, my seven-year campaign that I've been writing and that I'm like seven for, year.
1: Well, yeah, like no,
0: like, you've been working like working on it seven years. Yeah, I've been working on it for seven oh, years. Christ, i you
1: been like, like we gotta run it for. Se- I'm not mad. I'm like, <laughs> god damn.
0: No, but so that's constant. the that's the that's the campaign we've been talking about running after our main one is done. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have to rewrite the entire thing because it was literally the just the plot of Lord of the Rings. You guys, you guys started it. Uh, you guys all start in the Shire. Actually, it's fun. I. I didn't change anything. I didn't change any of the words or anything. So it's it's this kind of sucks. <laughs> but back to the I drawing mean, board. You know, hey, look, I wanna... man, you,
1: you know what's better than DMing? DMing and not getting sued. That's what's <laughs> best. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Keanu, fucking load us up, Daddy. So,
2: this is another I'm sorry, ZB. Like... <laughs> ZB.
1: All right, uh, so this
2: one is another personal experience question. You guys just answered this how you how you would. Um, How diligent are you guys at taking notes during a session, or do you kind of take the perspective of, like, writing out, like, the events and stuff after you're done? You know, is it something that you're actively, like, you're actively recording things as you're telling the story, or do you wait until everything's done and
1: then go back and summarize everything? Why would you do this to me? Why would you put me on the spot? Me, like this? me, me
0: and Nick are going to have complete opposite answers. So,
1: <laughs> 100%. yeah, that's I, why I, I picked uh, this question. <laughs> I don't write shit. I am hundred percent the worst fucking player of all time. I will forget to write things. If you're lucky, if I put the shit you gave me in my inventory, well, I mean, I, I am mean, as a DM. With your brain Oh, as, as a, a DM. DM, yes. Oh, Not a okay. I thought as a player. Never mind. Ignore that. Don't. don't just, just, <laughs> just pull back. Pull back. Ooh, okay. So, <laughs> so as a player, or as sorry, as a DM, um, I write active notes as we go, and I cap it off at the end. So, I mean, of course, anybody can say that because everything happens up until the end. But what I mean is, is I'll go. I'll just put like a little dot, and I'll go. This happened. I'll put a dot, and then this happened, and then at the end I'll, I'll tag. Okay, we'll do this, and I'll have ideas as we go through the, through the night and stuff, um, and, you, and just go with it and write it. Um, but as, as a DM, I do it throughout and at the end. I am, I try to stay as cognizant as possible because I'm in charge of other people's fun at that point. I don't want to forget things, and you you know you will forget things. It's not you know you, we're human. We're not you know we're not without error, but. I do the best I can, you know, as we go to make sure I jot down as much as possible.
0: Right. I am the complete, I mean, I, well, I guess I'm not the complete opposite. I take very, very detailed notes of everything because I'm, I'm kind of a, a dick DM at times. And there's, when I say that, I, cause I, I know that I'm not like usually a dick to you, you guys, but it's like, I am because there's no greater feeling then you guys tried to figure out something that you fucking didn't write down and i'm like i know this but i'm not telling you because you guys didn't write it down that's your fucking (laughs) fault and i love there's no better feeling than that
1: you you (laughs) motherfucker and
0: and but even even it even goes into like player characters i write every aspect of everything the dm tells me down um any information given i write it down because i don't know what it's going to come into play next
2: Like that's something I really need to work on because as a player, I take shit notes. Like I have like names, places, like specific things on items, and that's about it. (laughs) So my notes just look atrocious.
0: Like it's even like I even get to the point where like if I go into a bookstore, uh, in 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 game as a player character, and they say you found these three books, and I would say okay, I buy one of them. Then the DM kind of explains to me. Just brief summary of what the book is about. Uh, gives me some of the details and that kind of stuff. I write every every detail I can down.
1: Yeah, I'm a monster. I uh, As a player character, I'm just the shit. I'm the worst of notes. Me like, too. I, <laughs> Trust me. I get it. <laughs> no, like, I don't know. T- like, you take notes. You're doing way more than I do. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's, fuck it. I used to have big brain time all the time. I don't anymore, and I need to start taking fucking notes.
0: Like, a lot of people will just, like like you said, Keanu, a lot of people suffer from the, I just write names down and inventory down and places that we've been and stuff like that, but I have to go into detail because if I have a whole list of names, how am I going to know that this name belongs to this person? So I have to say, okay, so the bar the barmaiden's name was uh, Laura, and she mm-hmm. had... She had long, you know, blonde hair, pointy ears. She was definitely an elf. Very fair. You know, I have to write all that right. down because I need to know exactly who we're talking about. Because if it's a long campaign, I can't I can't even just write down Laura, bar maiden, Because if it's a long campaign, who knows how many bar we're going to meet.
2: <laughs> right, that's true. So. Um, all right. So this one that I wrote says what are some ways that you guys organize your npc characters during combat so you know you as a dm you're playing all of the npc right so if it's the you know like the four party members for instance against like in nick's nick's case seven goblins you know what like what are some like Shortcuts or systems that you guys have in place to like keep track of, you know, this is this one and this one. How do you like? How do you keep that shit like? Even as like as a player, I have issues with it. But how do you keep all that shit like
1: organized? You know, goblin one, goblin two, goblin three, goblin four, goblin five, goblin six, Literally. goblin seven. <laughs> Every fucking time, baby.
0: <laughs> if it's like a super essential person or or whatever, uh, or even like a semi essential person. Rather than just one of those random night encounters or whatever, but if you're going into a dungeon, uh, I make up full character I I do. I put in the fucking work and I make up full character sheets, names, because I always have to get that. What I always have to have the chance, and I have to be ready for the chance of, what if this doesn't end in combat, and what if they have a smooth talker that talks their way out of combat? Who is this character? Yeah, so are... I, I, oh, I put in that that type of work.
1: And I am the antithesis to that. Where I go, fuck it, he's bobbling the goblin. Let's go, <laughs> hey man, improv—that's what we're here for, baby.
0: <laughs> so, so basically, every every person that you guys come across in in my campaigns, uh, in my one shots or whatever, every single person that you come across has a name and has a backstory, Jeez and that's why course. that's why it takes. Well, I've also been working on my fucking campaign for seven years. Okay, so eat my hey. ass. I mean, <laughs> Just I'd,
1: I'd love to, but let's finish the podcast first. There, Jesus Dale. Yeah. Um.
2: All right. Well, that 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 makes it easy enough. That one I I figured was going to be a pretty simple question. Um, this one is a flavor question.
0: Can I can I, can I add to that last question before? No, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I also, especially with combat encounters, um, me as the DM. And Nick Ooh. Nick will understand this being a DM as well. Um, we play combat, and this helps to the organization of of your of your players. You don't want to just say random encounter. It's not like a Pokemon game where it's a random encounter. You know, two or three hits, they're dead. You're playing to kill the party, whether or not you want to kill the party as a DM. When you when you're playing a bad guy, you're that bad guy. You know, so if if when shit happens, shit happens.
1: And, and and let me and I'm gonna. Let me, I want to piggyback on that. All right, yeah, please. <laughs> ah, I'm back in the military. I hate it. All right, so, um, to, to add on to what Dale was saying, and sometimes when you bully the shit out of a player, you're not doing it on purpose to be a dick, it is specific to the class or that what you're playing. So, if I'm playing a certain um, race. Some races will specifically target healers, and they'll go down, they'll just start hammering them in, and even try to attempt to kill them after they've been knocked down, because that is just part of the information of, of the creature. So sometimes you do that shit, not because you want to, but because that is what it calls for. That is specifically how that, that interaction would go.
0: Most most DMs don't want to see the party fail. but No, when it, I want to
1: finish my goddamn story. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Oh, That's yeah, it. yeah, no. sorry. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I want to finish my I thought, story I thought as a you were... DM. No, it's no, an no, adult.
0: No. <laughs> most, <laughs> most most DMs don't want to see the party fail, but when it comes to combat, they need to play. And this is another thing that going back to the very first question as well, that makes a good DM is when you're in combat, you're you're playing a you're now playing a character or three characters. So you need to play it's their life versus your life. You're playing the bad guy play it like the bad guy you're playing you're playing to kill just like they're they're playing to kill you so <clears throat> but, uh, but also nick like there's even there's even race wars i mean if if i have a drow that's go and, and then the party has an elf guess who the drows automatically going to target first <laughs> hashtag
1: service trash
0: it's just it's just the way that the game is the lore behind it is played it's
1: exactly what my fucking npc would do okay <laughs>
2: all right so this is the last question that i prepared um
1: shit yeah, we did it
2: and it's just it's a little flavor one this one is all on you guys um so how often are you willing to give out
0: magical items as the oh me and dick are complete opposites on this
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm a stingy son of a bitch. I am fucking. I am Ichabod or not Ichabod Crane? That's a different fairy tale. Ebenezer uh, Scrooge. Scrooge. <laughs> yeah. Ebenezer <Ebony's laughs> Scrooge with the fucking <laughs> magic items. To me personally, well, in my, well it's my. it's my person. It's my campaign that we're playing right now. Magic items are a rarity for a reason because magical items are sought after, and I take essence from characters like Guardians of the Galaxy's collect the collector, um, you know, and where there are going to be. Okay, so let me backtrack. If you're weird, like me, and you're like, huh, I wonder what fucking, I don't know, 9th century England was like, then you fucking, I don't know, I've read a few books on it, you're curious, and you find out that the disparity of wealth was insane! So, there is a lot of wealth with some people, and a little wealth with a lot of people. So, then you base that off characters in a media- medieval setting, and then you make these characters that hoard magical items specifically because they can afford to. And then they do, because that is who I am as a person, and DM, you're welcome. Um, but that's that's my current campaign is also... Magical items are also difficult to make. I If you make something that can let you see every direction around you, like an eye of robes, it shouldn't be something so easily made and handed out. Sorry, my dog never barks, so that was... Matanuska! Come on. What are you doing? Sorry. We can edit this out, right? <laughs> Make get timestamp. Hey. Hey, puppy. Um, you okay? Okay. Go ahead. You okay? Okay. Go on, puppy. Go on. Um, sorry about that. And, uh... They're difficult to make and they're not so freely given out because of that. So and, and I think giving them players magical items comes with a kind of give and take. If something is supremely powerful, you it shouldn't be shouldn't be just a free grab or free use. You know, it's that whole kind of in my opinion, the devil went out of Georgia, you know, it's there is a give and a take to everything you get. Just because you won something or earned something doesn't mean it's uh, wholly holy great. But again, it's campaign and world building and how I set that compared to other people. Dale, I know you have a lot of fucking spicy takes on what I just
0: said. <laughs> oh, no, no. I it, it comes down to DM preference, and that's that's what... It, my preference is if you earn it, you're going to get it. But a lot of the time, it, it all depends... Once again, it's just situational. Like, if you guys just did a, a very long and harrowing dungeon and you guys just fought a, a pretty intense boss, there's that risk reward that we are, are always throwing around, um, but I'm also going to make you roll for it. You you roll your investigation check, and if you I have I have an entire list of items that are in this place, and if you roll more than this amount, this is what you get. And if you roll higher, if you roll higher than an 18, maybe you get a magical item. You know, it's all uh, comes down to how well you roll. Um, so I put a, I put a few different magical items at each location that you guys go to. And I mean, if you guys don't find it, you don't find it. Ugh. Cause fuck them, that's why. But also, you know, um, in my worlds, they and, and, and in most like D and D worlds, um, they're not super difficult. They're time consuming and expensive to make, but they're not super difficult to make. You know, so you you could go, you could go to a, a wizard or a mage that specializes in that kind of stuff in, in any of the larger cities or whatever and you can say hey can you put this this enchantment on this and they'll say yeah it'll be ready in four weeks and it's going to cost you 2500 gold or whatever right. you know it's expensive and it's time consuming but it, once again it's it's like you're, you're gonna have to go on without that weapon for the next four weeks which could be in dnd time that could be the next you know 40 sessions before you even <laughs> see the, the the payoff for this magical item
1: right it's the only campaign baby
0: yep Ooh. but i do hand out i do hand out magical items um but it's also like i said it just comes down to luck of the roll and that's that's what that's all D D really is it's the luck of the roll if you don't roll high enough you're not going to find it but it's it's situational you're you're more like you're more likely to find a a magical item in a in a dragon's horde than you are in a random cave that you guys just found that you just fought a a bunch of gnolls in or whatever you know
1: all right fair yeah i do i do roll for random loot though that does help (laughs) it does yeah like when you actually give the most chaotic character in your party a fucking ring to summon a jinn
0: but also it's like it's really rewarding when you have players who have been playing for 15 years cough cough nick and you give them something and they get like it's like a kid on fucking christmas when they're like i've never had one of these ever like i gave him a bag i gave him a fucking bag of holding and he was like
1: I've never had a bag. Only before. I've never
0: had one before, and he like,
1: it was like, don't I was worry. This so is why, this, and
0: I was like patting him on the. I, this is why. This is why, Daddy <laughs> loves you. You know,
1: <laughs> Davey, Corrections. And Davey. also, just so you're aware, it's funny that it's so sad. So I've never owned one in D and D, but I purchased a bag of holding online that I used for years to carry my D and D books. So to me, a bag of holding has a personal like attachment to it. Yeah. So to get at one actually in the game, and uh, I guess I'll clarify: a bag of holding is literally a, a bag. It's just a normal sack. It's got it's it's interdimensional, where basically it, it it's a it like it's like a, a, a you know one by one sack <laughs> that can hold sixty by sixty feet of shit. Like,
2: like Mary Poppins
1: bro
0: I... also there there are demon this this or i'm gonna get out go off on a tangent real fast so
1: fucking hit it baby girl bear with I'm, me. I'm I'm ready
0: a lot of dms they just say we're gonna ignore weight and stuff like that but that's not realistic i mean even in a fantasy world so a bag of holding especially giving somebody a bag of holding early on is a is a way to cheat the system into saying i'm ignoring weight without ignoring weight you know
2: right. <laughs> Because you're not like it, it's it's literally a bag that leads to another dimension.
0: It, it so, leads into yeah. another plane of existence. Right. So you don't have to carry you your that shit.
1: <laughs> also, then you're like me, who's a sadistic DM who goes, "Huh? What, I wonder what plane of existence it is. What if or, someone tries to come back out?
2: Or you try to do well, some that dumb gives shit. A
0: really good fucking idea. Thank I you. I know
2: you're you're welcome. <laughs> or hey, you try to do some dumb shit. Like we did with Nate's campaign, where somebody put a bag of holding on his feet and somebody put a bag of holding on his head, and he was in two in separate dimensions at the same time
0: on a. Okay, so, just just to clarify that. that I forgot about that. That should have never worked, and me and Nick both knew that it would have torn the guy in two. <laughs> Over
1: in half. It was okay.
0: Awesome. And, and and me and Nick both knew that, but Nate, this was his first like real time DMing, so and he didn't, so he was like fuck it let's give it a try (laughs) like like, fuck it yeah sure i guess like let's just move on let's progress the story i don't give a fuck we're not
1: we're not dunking on nate but so here's here and let me say this and if i feel remiss if we didn't jump into this part as dms sometimes when you have so there's a term called a forever dm and i'm and I, i feel remiss if we didn't talk about it at all a Forever DM is the person who ends up being your DM kind of all the time. They never get to be a player character. They never get to you know, they, they're always in charge of the campaign. They're always doing the campaign, the dungeons, you know, everything. A Forever DM is is a harrowing ordeal unless they fucking love it and that's what gets their dick hard in the morning. I couldn't think of something better.
0: Their camel so, tail.
1: Their camel tail hard in the oh, morning. Ah! It just really drink.
0: gets their, their camel tail going.
1: Please, their fucking camel tail going. Um. So, I love that it's becoming a fucking aggressive term in our group. Anyways,
0: um, as of, as of two hours ago, yeah, that's <laughs> the fucking ago. worst.
1: Uh, to be to be fair, to be fair, that is um a co- the term camel tail. I heard it first on Super Bad in high school. So because it talks about camel tail showing in the jeans oh god yeah. way
2: to pull out a fucking movie reference from 10 years ago you fucking weird actually no it's been longer than that ugh I hate it
1: so- <laughs> any uh, Um. so the Forever DMS, when they get to be released and be a player character, it's almost sadistic how much they let out on everybody. All of the pent-up anger of the shit that's been done to them immediately out. And oh, I wouldn't say anger, but just all, they just like to fuck with whoever's DMing at that point because, like, guess what I've just had to put up with for the last fucking X amount of years. <laughs>
0: yeah. especially, especially when the person who is DMing is the one that was giving you shit in the, in the previous campaign.
2: Which is made you just, 100%. You just,
0: you, you, just want to, you just want to give it back a little bit and say, see how it fucking feels? <laughs> like,
2: like you guys free willing yeah, and that,
1: that's not my <laughs> ultimate thing so Dale and I we, we're both forever DMs so Dale has got to be in my campaign as a player character he um, we started with a party of three and ended up morphing into a party of four with his character Ebo Water Runner, the monk <laughs> Dale has for all intents and purposes been a wonderful player character to have compared to the, as well with the rest of the group it has been awesome the second he and I got together, it was like you put two morons in a bag the and close it shut. We did everything miserable. that Because we were like, fuck it, let's just have fun. So we, I polymorphed into a dolphin. He grabbed my fin, passed the checks, because because our, our guy let us be level 20 characters. Because <laughs> he's an idiot. That was a mistake. <laughs> also, all the three of us, because the three of us in this podcast right now are... The, the the three guys that were in this campaign we were all each a member of rush
0: yeah the bar level 20 bards, which is like <laughs> one of the most 20 overpowered 20 fucking
1: characters. characters you could have and we all and we all picked a different uh, fucking member of rush and that's what our character's name was i was fucking alex lifeson grabbed on by neil pert flying as a dolphin in the air free flipping the tail over top of a statue, and he's like, can we please just get back to the campaign? (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't do this to be mean, but we're just trying to have fun. Like, we're just like, fuck it, let's have a good
0: time. The intended route was to get into a car and escort the president to the airport or something. But instead... (laughs) Keanu escorted the president in a car and we took the fun way.
2: <laughs> I remember, I, I was it me and you, Nick, where we went to, we, we were in a situation where we were fighting a bunch of these wolves. Me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, me and Dale.
1: Too. So too.
2: We're fighting, we're fighting these, these, these wolves, right? And we're surrounded and Nate's throwing everything at us. And me and Dale is level 20 bards, just completely just fucking level all of them. And he's like, he's like, I, i didn't think you guys would make it this far he's like i don't
1: it was like
0: dick was by himself for like two hours hold on
1: where was i let's 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 clarify where was i
2: uh you you weren't even in this world yet you were still in the real world you were still
1: you
0: didn't take the pizza you didn't trust it Okay.
1: okay to be fair to be fair okay let me let me so we started this weird little this campaign I, would, I don't want to say weird, because it was actually a good time. Oh, yeah, it was fun. It was, fun. It was dope, it was, yeah. It was super fun. Nate did a great job, and I'll always give him fucking accolades for that. We we started this campaign, and we were ourselves. We were all our normal selves, and he invited it. was just him, our DM, playing himself. He invited us inside, and he goes, have some pizza. I got some pizza for you guys. It was just super awkward and weird the way he did it, so I went, I'm like, I wouldn't eat the fucking pizza. I would wait, because I feel like he rubbed his balls on it or something. <laughs> I didn't get put in a side party for two straight hours because RDM thought, oh, yeah, they they won't they won't take that long. I'll be able to take them out. These two morons spend the next two hours just <laughs> completely shitting on all of his encounters and living until finally I get pulled in. <laughs>
0: Well, on top of that outsmarting him because he's like okay well I'm just gonna throw more and more stronger and stronger then we were like next to a cabin or something and Keanu's like I'm gonna just check the door let's go inside the cabin the door was locked and I was like don't worry I got this and I, I grabbed onto Keanu's shirt and I fucking dimension doored us into the cabin where there was nothing and nobody could get in the wolves couldn't get in that's why it took so long to the point where he had he had to just kill us off like yeah. by force of nature
2: he literally created like a windstorm out of nothing and after he killed us he was like guys you were supposed to die like an hour
0: ago we just you're outsmarting him but that's the issue it's like
1: don't ever let, for, don't let, ever let forever dms be a level 20 we will find a way to manipulate the situation <laughs> we, me and dale had that synergy alright
0: Unf- unfortunately we like we know the nitty gritty details yeah. of the player's handbook and stuff like that especially as dms that we can do like we can outsmart a lot of the the non forever dms the people who don't don't dm that often and that's that's what's
2: kind of terrifying for me as someone who hasn't dm'd yet like i'm gonna be you know dming for a bunch of people that have dm'd already and are very very familiar with it so you guys i just feel like i'm gonna get outsmarted and like (laughs) you guys are gonna know all the like the ins and outs where i may not you
0: might get outsmarted in combat and stuff like that but you have to understand that we will play our characters respectively and like and like if if it doesn't make sense to our character, then we're not gonna we're not gonna try to outsmart you,
2: right? That 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 makes me feel
0: better, and that that's I that's what I'm doing with with in Nick's campaign. It's like I'm a forever DM. I know like the player handbook like the back of my fucking hand, you know. And it's like things come up, and I have to act like I don't know something because that's just meta gaming at that point. <sighs>
1: So, so to answer question.
2: your
0: question, so to answer your question, <laughs> I don't even remember what the fucking question was. cares? <laughs> uh, so here's what I wanted to say real quick.
2: Um, this next question actually came from the chat uh, earlier in the in the podcast or in the, in this episode. Uh, I just want to take this moment uh, just to say, hey, if you guys are listening live here on Twitch, uh, if you do have any questions, you can also feel free to put that in the chat as well, and I'll add it to the list. But this one says. Uh yep. what do you think about the Matt Mercer effect that DMs face?
1: I have a lot of shit to say on this Dale. You might want to I know go you first. do, Nick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm gonna keep it very simple, and I think that it is uh silly. You guys have to have some respect. That you have to realize that that the the cast of critical role are well, well, uh, well. Tail for
1: anybody that might be might not know, like what is the Matt Mercer effect? As as we're speaking on it,
0: Matt Mercer effect is, um, players will come into players who have watched an extensive amount of the, the show Critical Role, which is a Dungeons and Dragons, uh, like me- show. mega mega fucking show. Like it's one of the most popular things in the Dungeons and Dragons world. Um, people who go on to that sh- or watch that show and they've watched extensive hours of that show, that they they then go into Matt Mercer being one of the best DMs ever, but also he's been doing it literally forever. And he's a paid voice actor and he's a uh, professional in every aspect. And plus, he's written half of the fucking books now or helped write half of the fucking books that are out now. And it's like people go, in, they watch Critical Role and they watch Matt Mercer DM and how intense he gets and how good he is at role playing and stuff like that. And then they go into. Uh, their own campaign, expecting their DM to be the exact same way as Matt Mercer, as good as he is, as um, eff efficient as he is, and as effective as. He is. A lot of the time, they are very severely let down because they went in with the intention of, "This is what a DM should be."
2: I feel like that is a a great kind of summary of what the Matt Mercer.
0: But that. With that being said, I think that players, it's, it's great to watch Critical Role. I understand. It's very, very entertaining. But you also have to realize that these people have been doing it for 20 to 30 years. They've been voice actors and actors for 20 to 30 years. They've been doing this their entire lives. This is all they know. They have a production quality that is millions of dollars. Uh, and you have to you have to take that into consideration. You know these are these are not people doing this for fun, but these are people doing this for their livelihood. You know.
1: Well, and they get to have fun with it. That is one thing. That... Well,
0: yeah, obviously, <laughs> real, but yeah,
1: it's real bullshit, if you ask me. <laughs> Something I want to add. Uh, right. I was
2: waiting for this information to to get towards the end, but I was doing some research on Dungeon Master and i read this article that said that because of critical role the market for paid dungeon masters has actually like been kind of taking off where well okay. some of like the higher value dms charge 500 dollars a session a session like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, normally this is a, you know, volunteer position where you're doing this just for the fun of it. But there are people that actually, like, have turned this into somewhat of a lucrative way of life. Hashtag capitalism, am I right? They're paying their bills dungeon mastering. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> to be fair, they probably also don't have a life because I know being a dungeon master, even for this micro campaign, I don't have a life because of it. Right. But it's a lot of work. Don't, Nick, you can answer the question while I indeed and update my resume for Dungeon Master and try to see if there's any jobs in my location.
1: Um, actually, uh, <laughs> good sir, just so you're aware, uh, for resumes, you could always put Dungeon Master into it. You were working on a weekly team-building exercise with X amount of players or X amount of people that builds cohesive team-building mm-hmm. uh, leadership and uh problem-solving skills guess and, whose and, and motherfucking resume already has that <laughs> and communication Ah. so did you anyway, now hold on did
2: you really put dungeon mastering on your resume
1: no it was it oh, was God. i lead a weekly team
2: oh team building exercise
1: <laughs> i didn't put fucking yeah i'm a dungeon master the last thing i need an in interview is uh so how many people are in your dungeon currently uh four uh are they into it i i Yeah, I think that everybody (laughs) likes it. Oh, um, is it erotic? Whoa, whoa! (laughs) Yes, yes. Or the the
0: complete opposite. You're gonna bring the satanic panic back into full force,
1: bro. I have my shirt, my fucking satanic panic shirt. Just you fucking call me. You call your role. It's one of my favorite death save shirts. Mm -hmm. So, um, the Matt Mercer effect, as as Dale has explained it, as Keanu has explained it. (sighs) I'm going to lead in with this. I have not seen a single episode of Critical Role personally. I have seen a clip or two, but I've never watched an episode. I've never dug into Matt Mercer. I've never really thrown myself into it because, as a DM, I don't want to feel like I'm ripping off something popular like that, like Critical Role, like Matt Mercer, or, or, anything or Lord, anything Lord of really. the Rings. Yeah, or Lord of the Rings. Don't worry about it. So, well, personally, Critical Role is so honestly at this point has become more. Normalized in the D and D world, then fucking, you know, Wildemont is is massive. Um, it, you know, there's a fucking source book for Guide to Wildemont for Christ's sakes. I have it, yeah. Um, so, but that's what I'm saying. It, it is such a in D and D that has become the new norm is is knowing and and going into it. But well, it's it's more so how how Matt Mercer DMs. How he, is as a Dungeon Master, is. I don't look at his stuff. I don't watch his things. I don't, you know, anything like that. Here's the thing, though. I absolutely love Matt Mercer as a person. He is an he's awesome dude. He's an awesome, beautiful motherfucker.
0: He's a beautiful <laughs> human, Big. The he's fucking just hair. Incredible.
1: The fucking hair alone just makes me fucking... Want to crumb? He's Prom.
0: just not He's literally he's literally just nice guy Mercer is what he, he is. He really he's
1: like, is nice guy Mercer. He like one of my favorite things is he as I read online that he likes to jump in onto D and D streams on Twitch and just sit there on an alt account and just listen to other people play D and D. Yep. Like, he's one and of his passions. He loves to do
0: it. And he and he looks for those who are like smaller, you know, yep. streamers and stuff like that, which is awesome. Yeah.
1: So and and you know that's just like the low tier, the low hanging fruit on him. He also talks about the Matt Mercer effect because that has been asked to him six ways to Sunday. You you, you couldn't imagine like we we can or well we ask it in a casual conversation on a on a podcast talking about DMing. Of course, the Matt Mercer effect is going to get brought up, but he himself has said like don't put all this pressure and stress on your DMs your dungeon masters are doing their best it's okay he's like i have done this for as dale said x amount of years i have done this for i'm a professional voice actor people are not going to come to this caliber their second session in as a dm (laughs) and that's okay the map mercer effect is something i've never run into but i've read a lot on in uh different articles rpg horror stories on 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 uh, it's a subreddit on reddit um you know, and things like that, I, and, and the d d subreddits. But Matt Mercer himself could not be a better person. So it feels awful that something that he's done because he's good at what he does and is getting paid to do it. It's so terrible that people use it as an effect of, well, because of him, people are just dunking on DM uh, Dungeon Masters left and right. And I wouldn't say that. I just think people, and like Dale said, they go in with these high expectations. Like, you're going to have a... a production value you're going to have voice voice acting down you're going to have you know you're going to have uh you know massive maps built already the role playing is going to be so thoroughly researched and done into and perfectly perfected that's not going to happen unless you're getting paid to do this a la what he was saying $500 a session even then that sounds kind of light Think about it like this: You have a party of six. You're paying less than a hundred dollars a person for a session. That's pretty fucking good. You can literally go to rub and tug places and pay more. Okay, so it's not so. Oh, bad. Oh, we're going there. Okay. Oh, we're going there. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like it's not that terrible. You you go out to a, you can go out to a five star restaurant and spend way more than you could on a nice D and D session and get pizza out of it. Okay. I've not been to a fucking. Bro, four-star I'm hungry, bro.
0: Restaurant. What the fuck? Why pizza? i can honestly say that i actually think like now that now that i'm really thinking about it i think that i have been affected by the matt mercer effect in our uh chun saint pound doru campaign and i there's a reason that 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 campaign failed and i think it was because we were playing with all new people we've never like we've never ever played with and it was just like not the quality that they wanted
1: well, which also, is unfortunate because that was fun as fuck. As like, dude, we're, I mean, we're a thousand percent bring back fucking door oh, ruins. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Chud, Saint, later on, a they didn't die. Percent. They're fine. <laughs> oh yeah, they're fine. Dale, can you make that cannon for us or not?
0: Nah? Yeah, sure. I don't care.
1: Oh, uh, and TV, TV has an idea as we bring this up because this, I think, this has to be talked about at least a little bit. Chud State Pound is an absolute amazing character and keanu do you want to explain Shud saint pound just a little bit for yeah
2: so uh saint pound was probably the so he was the first like main character that i had really put together Mm -hmm. in fifth edition after uh quill which is like the character i play in nick's campaign and i i actually thought about him for a long time like what i wanted him to be i wanted him to be different so i made him uh, a half orc paladin who, like, went through the trouble of shaving his tusks down, and he had this, like, very rigid, like, code of values that had been passed down from his family, you know, and, you know, he was kind of, like, the fuck-up of the group, Uh, but he was trying his best, essentially. Um, He toyed a little bit with things that he shouldn't have, and he was haunted by that.
1: And then he met Doru... (laughs) And Doru was who I played. All I got was a message from Dale that, I, what was it, like an hour or two before the session? <laughs> yeah. Was, hey, do you want to RP a character for me tonight? I went, sure. <laughs> who am I playing? His name's Doru. What is he like? He's a vampire trapped in his, his father trapped in his basement. How do you want me to RP him? Buddy, you, get, you do you. <laughs> All right. I fucking came out with Doru being the most manic fucking character of all time I've ever... I mean, we're talking fucking this personality 100% all the time. It didn't stop. And And I'll say this, as the player character who was playing with
2: with Doru during that session, that was probably some of the most... Like, I I was so enthralled by Doru's character... Uh, that like that was probably one of the best moments like as a player character where I got to engage with another player character. You know what I mean? Because he was he was new he was different he wasn't from our party but like kind of became that way. And then like the whole chemistry between you know you and I playing like chess together and like your character was way smarter than me but my character was somehow just dunking on you every time. And then like every all of like months. we had this like weird chemistry playing these characters that. I don't know, it was just, it was We're literally some of the most fun. I'm like bummed that, that fucking campaign died, yeah. because I really wanted to like, continue playing that, I was having so much fun.
0: And, as a DM, it made me feel so good, because I saw Keanu break out of his shell for the first time. We, I, was play, I was playing with him for, at the time, probably six or seven months in our main campaign, um, and he went, Quill is not really a, a RP heavy character at the time he wasn't, and so his, seeing him and uh, Dor- Doru and Chud St. and they were like Doru was forcing him into RP. It was just like. I loved it, and then, yeah. and then that's that's how Keanu like found his love for RP, truly. Oh, yeah. And then and then even at the next session, like Quill was a whole different fucking person. <laughs> like not, it made sense. But he was a whole different person. He started to
2: get like a personality. He more. Yeah, he opened up a little bit, and like I, I, it was at that point when Nick was like kind of forcing me into these like RP heavy like scenarios. I was like, I've been doing this wrong the whole time. Like fuck and then like well, i wouldn't that, say i, I would say like...
1: wrong it was just it's a comfortability factor and that's something we could talk touch on later but rp and just saying fuck it when you're in a gr- like i was in a brand new group i was like fuck it i slammed three beers before going in to play doru hundred percent and i was just like here we go boys and i was just <laughs> fucking win because because the thing is you you think of the vampire character of like a like he's a side character in a my chemical romance comic book <laughs> And instead I made him this fucking absolute fucking just hate <laughs> type character, <laughs> you know, and like, you know, you, just, you try to make it my own. And it made it fun for at least me and Keanu. Yeah. I tried to involve the rest of the party and they kind of weren't feeling it as much. But like we said, it was, it was new they players. Feeling a, well, in, they weren't feeling anything as much was right. was part of the problem.
2: I will say that I, I will, I will re- uh, rephrase my last statement it wasn't, like, I was playing it wrong for me. It was at that point that I realized, like, oh, fuck. Like, I want to be more active during the RP and not so much just during, like, the action-y parts. Like, I want to be, like, I want my characters to have this this personality. And, you know, from that, I have evolved characters like Quangus and, you know, like, all of these other ones that we played during these random one-shots that had these fucking just... Off the wall, like crazy ass personalities, like
0: I like to. I like to think that I helped a little bit with your RP as well, just because, like, I put Chud through the fucking rigor.
2: <laughs> you did.
0: Like emotionally, I put him through the fucking rigor before before Doro was even a thought. Right. I put him through the fucking rigor, <laughs>
2: and like the whole time, like I'm I'm playing every session, and I'm like. And I just can't wait to figure out what happens to Chud, like, what the fuck's gonna happen next, like, this is awful, like, everything is fucking up, and then Doru came along and it was just, like, a distraction from that, and I was like,
0: holy fuck. I, w- I was basically taking this, this super stoic character and forcing him down the Oathbreaker path without Keanu even knowing it. It was basically like he was following his patron, and guess what? Uh, he was doing it so well that another patron took notice you know <laughs> and it's like i was for- forcing him down this oath breaker path without him even knowing it
1: it was fun but to end on my my comment on the matt mercer effect because we <laughs> oh shit yeah <laughs> on the matt mercer effect oh fuck i think the expectation of people to have a, a large production multi-year talented DM is unfair to your DM. Unfair to a lot of people around you. Even if you pick up a random person on on like, you know, a look for a look at L4G online, look for group. You know, it is unfair to go into that with expectations that your DM is going to be Matt Mercer. That is completely unfair. Even Matt Mercer himself has said it. So the Matt Mercer effect as a DM, I have not wholly had to deal with it, but I have seen a new generation as D&D is becoming a socially acceptable norm. Words I never thought I would say 15 years ago. (laughs) It is a socially acceptable norm that people play and have fun with. And it breaks my heart that some people want to thrust these expectations on others because they think, you should be amazing. Matt Mercer himself is like he is like he is like um What's the guy that wears the sweater? Mr. Rogers. He's like the Mr. Rogers of the D&D world. He he just wants you to be the best DM or player character you can be and have fun. Let that happen. He's, like, stop using his name for a a shitty effect that you guys think is happening. It is just people with high expectations thinking it's going to be a produced fucking movie set that don't understand that it is your friend who's doing it for free and doing his best. Sometimes the best isn't your expectation, but just try to have fun with it. And... And It'll build anyway,
0: time. And the little, the little icing on the cake that I just want to add to the very end of this is, I actually think that, in a way, as bad as the Matt Mercer effect is for DMS, I think it's helped us come a long way with our roleplay and with our world building, without taking things from Matt Mercer's worlds too much, but taking things from Matt Mercer himself. People who have watched Critical Role, or at least heard, heard him talk about how he DMs, I think it's brought me personally my DMing level from you know a solid four to five to to upwards of a nine or ten at least on my my scale, you know. And I and I love that. I think that he's done he's done so much good for the D and D community and the DMing community that I think it made D, more DMs strive to be better. So there's good, there's always good with the bad, you know, there's the bad of the players expecting too much, but there's also the good of the DM trying a little harder, putting a little bit more effort in, making it a little bit more fun, making it a little bit more immersive, and I think that's where we're heading.
1: You mean making their way downtown, faces fast, faces past, and homebound? And on I, almost, I, almost, note...
0: I almost called you, I almost, you. you said, you said... Something about big where the people are, and I was like, He just wants to be where the people, people are. are. Yeah. what
1: are those things? Forks, yeah, or
0: legs or some shit, something like that. Feet,
1: feet, that's what it was. What was that called? Feet. So, uh, I, I think that, uh,
2: yeah, I can to- totally agree. I think that people that are players need to, you know, come in with. Uh, an open mind and a little bit lowered expectations. Not everybody's going to be a Matt Mercer. You know, they're not getting paid for this kind of shit. Uh, but I can agree that, like, you know, I could see how that could be a very beneficial thing to people that uh, are DMs. And they like, like, oh, man, he's going into so much detail about like this you know, like about this environment, maybe I don't do enough. Like, maybe I should work a little bit on how I present my environments to people. Like, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, let me steal this thing from his campaign or, you know, whatever. But like, I feel like looking at somebody else doing it can do some good for you. Um, as long as you're not comparing yourself to that person.
0: So with that, Matt Mercer, if you just happen to be lurking in (laughs) this podcast, (laughs) I want to say, I want to say, Hey, Hey, First and foremost, thank you for everything that you've done for DMing and D and D over the years. You've really, you and your team have really brought D and D from being something that's super frowned upon and and hated and and like just excommunicating people because we played it, to something that is very popular and it's a very beautiful thing. And it's just giving people who've never had access to this, you know, finally have some. They they finally have that access. People who um, have just been playing it casually are starting to make some money off of it. Um, And people who, um, once again, were playing it casually are starting to take it a little bit more of a professional uh, and even more detailed approach to not only their characters, but their their DMing. So thank you for everything that you have done for the D&D community. Also, if you want to be on the podcast, let me know. (laughs) That'd be cool. It's oh, at K seven
2: oh. K and at Boozy Bumbler on Twitter or In fact, can...
0: any of the critical role casts like Lee <laughs> L- Liam, Sam, Marisha, Laura, you know, Travis, any of you guys if you guys want to be on. I love the know.
1: absolute fact of you being like, yeah, fuck it, let's get one of them on. Then I'm just over here like, I have not seen many things of them, and I will do my best to be like, hello. <laughs> well,
0: to, 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 be <laughs> fair, to be fair, most of most of them have been in like really like uh Lee, liam o'brien he's the voice of uh gara from from naruto so it's like you've you've seen you've seen these people all if you watch anime all over the place because a lot of them are from anime
1: oh okay all i know is there's the one girl who did the voice i think of abby in last of us part two
0: yeah, uh, Laura was in there, and then Ashley. Laura was, Bailey, that's her name. Laura, Laura Bailey was was Abby. Yeah. In Last of Us part two, and the person who plays a- Ellie in Last of Us yes, one I, and two. Yeah, yeah, I know her too. Yeah, yeah Ash- Ash- she's in Ashley there.
1: Johnson. I know those two. That's it because I'm a giant Last of Us fan. So, <laughs> well, I mean, for fuck's sake, that's my forearm piece is right, a fucking yeah. clicker. So, <laughs> so I, I just <laughs>
2: want to say that uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm glad that uh, you know guys like the questions we got into some good tangents and that's always a good
0: i also want to say keanu um thank you for those questions and i really hope i really hope that this helps you when you get to your first like official dming experience and you're ready to like take on a one shot or or whatever i don't
1: i want you to fail (laughs) i want to come into your fucking campaign and just (laughs) rip it up
0: he just he wants just, to crumb in your campaign. He's, he's gonna crame <laughs> all over
1: it. I just I want to get gonna my best wall voice and go, I just want to go into your campaign and just fucking Wah!
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I do I do wanna say that you know I think it's something that I should just fucking do and I I think that it's something that I am aspiring to do
0: soon. And if you want to use any of my source books or rule books or anything like that, they're here.
1: And yeah. uh, also also baby, baby, it's when you feel ready. Don't feel yeah. pressure. Don't rush. I, I don't feel pressured. I feel to. good. I feel good. You want to? I just want to. Fight. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. anyways. Um, uh, so not-
2: what I want to do real quick is I want to go ahead and roll this d100. Well, so well, that
1: well hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go, before you go, I just wanted to. Can, can we make sure nobody has any more further questions True. before we go farther?
0: What's up, bitches? You got any more questions? <laughs>
1: Ex- Hello, fuckers. I- Wait, that's that's gender neutral. Hey, fuckers. Like, <laughs> got any more questions? Oh,
2: there are people that are asexual.
1: <laughs> I said gender neutral, bitch. What's good? True. Wait, shit. You're right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Last tax. Any questions in the in the Twitch stream thing? While we're
0: waiting oh. on this. I'm gonna go with that and fucking roll. D100.
1: Wait, don't we have our? And well, I had a second. Well, we have our. What's our chari- What's that character? We
2: do. We, I'm getting to yeah, it. Yeah. I'm getting to it. Okay. 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 All right. So
0: the D100 is twelve. Hell, Hell yeah! yeah. Oh, I don't God. have my book. Hold up. Go grab it. All right.
1: Uh, hold on. Uh, uh, fuck Keanu. Get us to a f- fucking. Be right back. Get it. Some music going.
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Suck my ass.
1: That's a good that's some good music. Like a like a Slurpee. Hmm, human music.
0: Alright. So twelve. Watch it
2: not be a drink.
0: <laughs> no, I'm just gonna move on and go once the drinks start on the twelve pages.
2: What'd that tongue do?
1: Whatever you need for fifty dollars, poppy. Hate
2: it.
0: All right, boys, you guys ready for the drink this week? Give it to me. This is called Flavored Enemy. Yes. It is vanilla vodka. Fuck. Orange (laughs) juice. God damn it. Cranberry juice. At an orange wheel for garnish. That's not terrible.
1: terrible. It's not terrible. I just heard fucking fucking vanilla, vanilla vodka. vodka. I was like, fucking Christ, you gotta buy another bottle.
2: It's just a <laughs> bottle of pinnacle vanilla, and then you just get some fucking
1: juice, man. Bro, bro, I'll be straight up sky vanilla. Let's go.
0: Bro, this actually sounds phenomenal, and I can't fucking <laughs>
1: wait. Yes, <laughs> see, I'm actually opposite on this one. I'm like, mm. uh, I really have something different, but. Okay,
2: so our drink next week is gonna be the flavored enemy, which is a play on Favorite Enemy, which is a ranger.
0: Uh, in fact, it says the rangers that wander the wilderness are known to have specific enemies that they come to study and know Crumb. in great detail. Crumb to study. These enemies come in many different flavors. Crumb. And this is just one of the this is just one of the flavors that you can master.
2: All right, that sounds fantastic, and I cannot wait. Um, so now we're gonna do the Who's That Character? Right? What's so, that character?
0: This character. Please don't, don't say Waluigi.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why?
0: Geralt of Rivia.
1: Oh, that's actually a good one.
0: Yes,
2: I know who I what I think he would be. But I want you to hear what it you off. guys...
1: You, no, you lead it off first, and we're going to fucking come after. Okay,
2: so come after. there's literally only one answer for me. Uh, but I, it was a little controversial because I could see it going in a couple different directions. For me, he's a ranger, 100%. Because he uh, he is a one with nature. He knows his uh, botanical stuff because he has to make potions. He knows herbs. He knows... He tracks... He's a, He's a hunter and in my mind that makes him uh, a ranger like he he does have like abilities and stuff he has the signs that he can do but it, his most important features for me are when he is hunting a specific creature down he has to track it he has to know the ins and outs of those of those monsters that he's fighting and um you know he you know just cuz he has two swords doesn't automatically make him a ranger but it kind of helps uh, but like in my mind, Gerald Rivia, 100. percent He is a melee-based ranger. But that's just my opinion. What so he's Dritz. Yeah, <laughs>
1: basically.
0: I. You want me to go next, or you want to go next? Like? You
1: know to go ahead. No, I was just gonna say Dritz is actually a multi-class uh ranger and fighter.
0: Per but canon. That... Uh, yeah, yeah well with that being said he i think gerald of rivia is and can't really be anything else other than drum, drum roll. roll a fighter Eldridge knight
1: yes we're on the same page <laughs> <laughs> Eldridge, Eldridge
0: knight 100 right
1: behind uh, on that one baby girl because because
0: because of the just the 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 fact that he can really do any, any type of combat that he puts his mind to, that's automatically a fighter. We went over this last week. Um, and he can learn uh, Eldridge Knight, you can learn those spells and stuff like that.
1: Minor spells, but nothing too powerful. That's exactly.
0: the catch. Exactly.
1: He's an Eldritch... Now, here's the only thing I would argue on this. Right, do you have more, Dale, or are you?
0: Nope, that's it. I think he's an Eldritch Knight.
1: I would say he was an Eldritch Knight multiclass with two levels of fighter to get a favorite enemy, which would be... <gasps> Monstrosities. You mean hunter
0: hmm? with with a multi class of hunter?
1: No, mo- no, one? he's he's an Eldric. He's a fighter, Eldric Knight, which is what his subclass is. Then he multi classes into two levels of ranger.
0: that's that yeah, you said you he multi classes into two two levels of fighter, and I was like, well, Eldric Knight is a fighter, so he's just a fighter. That means. <laughs>
1: okay, well, it, sorry, it's Eldric Knight. He's a fighter who multi in with with two levels of ranger to get a favorite enemy. Favorite enemy is monstrosity. Gives him the training, the survival, all that. And he's the Eldritch Knight with the minor stuff. I think he is a multi-class character. He is both of what you said. Changed my mind.
0: <laughs> I think I... Here's, here's here's the best part about this, is for the first time in Dubbies and Dragons history, we're all on the same page, whether we like it or not.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love it.
2: That was a good character pick. Yeah. That was solid. I, uh, I'm i excited to see... Uh, so next week, is it, uh, is it Dale? Oh
0: roll like this is this is oh fuck. just just like dungeons and dragons dubbies and dragons is luck of the dice
1: oh wait fuck
0: so I'm gonna roll a D6 one and two Nick you that's you
1: wait fuck I thought we were just round robbing this this is nope. bullshit
0: <laughs> three and four is Keanu five or six it will be me Yanni, you better be ready for next week. It's <laughs> a <Yeah, before>.
1: again. <laughs> that's fine. I'm gonna be
2: luck, honest. Look at nice. the dice. I I did not come prepared with a, a topic, so I guess we'll just figure out what. Uh, hey, we'll find out I next week.
0: Actually, yeah. yeah, I think that's I think that's the better way of doing it. Is not only surprise us with with your topic, but surprise uh, everybody with it. Don't let anybody know what's what's going on. Sounds good. Perfect. Much so, much like it much like d session and you don't know what you're getting it into. Fucking wing it, bro.
1: We're just raw dogging next session. I get it. Also, real quick, um, anybody check out that Wheel of Time trailer yet? No. <gasps> you guys should. I'm excited. Um, Wheel of Time is a great book series. It is uh it is basically if Game of Thrones and Lord of Rings had the baby had a baby. Your baby. Um why are you like this? Adam Cook.
0: And I'm your daddy. Got him, Coach. So
1: um, I'm super excited, though. It, I hope it doesn't suck. But the visuals on it are already amazing. Somebody who read the book series. So I would highly recommend checking it out. Um, it comes out in November. Um, it is high fantasy. It was written by Robert Jordan. Finished off by Brandon Sanderson, two of the major game players in the high fantasy genres. So check it out. Seriously, I'm super excited.
0: Hashtag not sponsored.
1: Yeah, 100%. Hashtag
0: 100%. unless...
2: <laughs> hashtag self promo um yeah. i know this is episode three uh, and if you guys have been watching here which uh you, you might already know because I've been, we've been talking about it uh, all this week but the dubbies and dragons podcast is officially on spotify and itunes uh now uh so feel free to search and follow the channel page uh on whichever of those apps that you use uh, and you'll get updates as we, you know, release more down the pipeline. Um,
0: Episode two is currently in limbo with both iTunes and Spotify. We're just waiting for the approval.
2: But, uh, but yeah, and if you guys are listening uh, to this uh, previously recorded and you want to catch the podcast the second, you know, as we're recording it, you know, feel free to catch us live on Twitch. Uh, both Dale and I both stream it. Um, normally. So uh, that's how you can get a little bit ahead.
1: We and post, also, oh sorry, go ahead.
2: Let's just say we post we post the podcasts about a week after we record them. So if you want to get you know fresh up and you want to be there as soon as we're as we're doing it and you want to have input into it, feel free to follow Dale at Cadus Seven K, on Twitch, or me
0: Boozy Bumbler also uh if you just ever want to get fucking raw dogged guys thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to the dragons podcast we will see you guys same time same place next week okay
1: cheers cheers it's out (laughs) i've been drinking